So I was thinking about some of those shots we got of the Kuka before. So I was showing them just the other day. And a little bit of that perspective of the bow of the ship, the diver, you can see the hole. The hole I mean, it looks like you're in a thousand feet of water. Right. You know, like and then the the ice looks like the moon in a couple of those shots, you know, yeah. coming through. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sweet stuff. Okay. We're gonna be in shallow water, so it's gonna be a little yeah. bit of some tricky camera work to get some cool yeah cool shots you know to yeah. really make it explode yeah okay the size of the, the hole like a dollar The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. The whole. I'm just t- trying to think back when biorhythms were a thing. These little blades come together to make a hole so that the light comes like through the middle. And I thought I, I can I vividly remember that shot of me on just the speedboat there at Union with that one bass that you that you have. Oh yeah, that yeah, bass is just yeah. like. Like right there. Yeah, it's, it looks big. Yeah, and then I'm like yeah. the little guy in the back, mm-hmm. but we're really all right, right there. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's and a I cheesy it's, trick. It is a cheesy I, I trick. I think but it's it, a cheesy but trick. But it's a, it's kind of know, elementary. It's the uh, leaning tower piece. Uh, <laughs> Correct, right? like holding the ship. Yes, yeah, holding the ship so, up. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah so it's they're, cool though. They're well the, on land. A lot of times they're, they're silly shots. Yeah, they're, but they're you can also yeah yeah. And then, but underwater, it becomes a necessary tool to get mm-hmm. some creative oh, yeah. shots because of the element that you're in, eh? Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's several, like, uh, little web pages on uh, forced perspective, if I remember right. I mean, I, I used to look, you know, back when I first started getting a little heavier into photography, I started delving into it a little because I, I think uh, one of the classes I took, it was a, an assignment, you go do you know, they would give you six shots to take for the class. You know, you can take as many as you want, but you got to submit six. Six, yeah. And each one was a different, you know, uh, area or a different result that you wanted. One of them was forced perspective. I can't remember what I did. I have a folder of all my old classes and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was trying. To, but the thing about when I was researching it online is there some that are really not? I mean, they There's some amazing, look amazing so real. Like, yeah. you know, with people next to each other, one guy looks like he's seven feet tall, the other guy's, and they're both the same height, you know. Right, it's and then they where, move. Yeah, and, and like, they come what? towards each other. They're standing next to each other. They're the same height kind of thing. You know, things like that. Or like, looks like a giant cat is attacking, you know, a person who's sitting there like that. Right, yeah. Uh, kind of cool little shots like that. But some of them, you know, were done so well, and it didn't achieve like a quote unquote a funny type of shot. It was it looked like a, a very serious, artistic, photographic shot. But it was you're like, well, this was all forced perspective into the fine art photography, which is 
tough to do. I think that, that is a super tough assignment right there. See, my not make it look silly. You know, my force perspective was always the the three inch fish I got. Po- yeah, pose it with the GI Joe guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it looks like he caught this whopper. Or put him right in in front of the uh, in front of the lens. Okay, very cool. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with old photo model Jamesy, and not and, so photo model <laughs> and uh, uh, photographer. I have a face for the other side of the lens. I always say Brandon. for the eyepiece. I have a face for the eyepiece. And um, coming off of our month of cave diving, we are getting ready to go up to do a little photo shoot up in northern Michigan, and I uh, figured about perfect timing to get back to one of those fan favorites of photography, underwater photography. Photo fan favorite. Now, Triple to, all, F. to all you Patreon members out there, once again, thank you so much for all of your support. You really help keep this show afloat, so to say. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they're it. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Otherwise, I'd be gone. I would be going, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, um, I got things to do. <laughs> I got things to do. I never have like a moment in my day where I'm going, whoa, I just wish I could fill this spare time with something. Right, I, I do not mean. ever have that. And yeah. I'm sure you're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're the same yeah. way, even though from my perspective, my forced perspective, <laughs> you're not doing anything. <laughs> and as much as, we, as much as we've got the show up and running now, it's surprising how... It's still always costing money. Somehow. It still costs money. Yeah. Well, we just you always it's something's always yeah, so, we just so shelled out you, several hundred dollars last week to uh, yeah. So just got that. So those of you on Patreon, thank you so much. Those of you who have bought T-shirts and stickers and have sent in donations, thank you so much. We hope you guys really enjoyed the Larry Green interview that we just posted and put up. If you've made a donation to the show and you're not a Patreon member. Send me a private message and I'll get you a a direct link to we the show. Probably say you know my thing would be you know not just a dollar and I I'm not I'm not addressing the people that give a dollar a month. That's I'm, great. I'm Patreon, that's that's a, why we have the dollar level. Yeah, a dollar a month is great. great. I appreciate it. It, it really it, um, it helps. A dollar a year. Month. I'm getting a little iffy. One dollar. <laughs> a one dollar donation. Just one dollar. General. Yeah. Yeah, because when you uh, make the one dollar donation on. On PayPal, they take 44 cents. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, the other cents <laughs> side of it is we get 60, 66 cents or whatever the hell it is, 56 cents. Is it 34 or 44? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's it's a, it's a mere fraction of what. <laughs> you're like, you're giving us a couple quarters? Here. Don't spend it all in one place. That's, uh, you know, like a Rodney Dangerfield insult tip. <laughs> so... For all of you that give a dollar a month, thank you. For all of you that, you know, give more than that, super thank super you. Super big thank I'll you. name a kid after you. Nobody, uh, nobody's taking us up on the uh, million dollar well, donation. it's new. It's or the just hundred dollars. It's just getting the word. It's a new concept. Out. Once it takes off, it'll be like fire, though. It'll be like uh, Australian brush fire. Take over the whole country. Shout out to our, our brothers and sisters down under. Probably not. <laughs> Probably like, it's not funny, Mike. <laughs> yeah. You're taking the piss out on us. This budgie smuggler just talked about me backyard on fire. <laughs> budgie smuggler. Yeah. Hey, um. Backyard. 
Me outback's on fire, mighty. They don't say matey. Pirates no, say matey. No, no. <laughs> and they probably don't say backyard. They probably say like outback. My backy do. I say out. <laughs> my backy do. My backy do. My backy do. It's Australian for backyard. <laughs> my backy do. Okay, so let's get back into some photography talk. I know it's one of your favorites. Are you talking to the audience or me? You and the audience. Now, when did you really first get into just photography in general? When I was in high school. I was like ninth grade. I, my uh, math teacher selected me for her commercial art team. So she ran commercial art, and she would pick the, the people for the class. Yeah, cool. Um, and it was one, you know, it wasn't like a bunch of classes. Commercial art did the yearbook. We did a bunch of things, you know, calendars and Christmas cards. But she taught us how to do commercial art. I mean, she had a big printer and how to do the films. But we also uh, did the newspaper um, as far as printing it. We didn't, like, there was the, my wife was on the um, high school newspaper staff. Actually, she, she was, was a like an editor. She was really good. She was good into writing, you know. Yeah. She wasn't as good as me. I was a better writer. Uh Shout out to my wife. She knows it. I used to shout write her to, papers for shout her. Shout out so. to Brando's wife, the yeah. less talented writer in the family. She would uh, be. The, she has many talents in that, but like you know, school wasn't. She, she's smart. Don't get me wrong. She's the degreed one. Of course, I would come home on leave and write her papers for. Her. <laughs> Figure that. Anyway, the long story short is, we would. Uh, I started doing the photography with the. Uh, so when I started in ninth grade, there was a guy two two grades ahead that was had been doing the photography. So he took me under his wing, and we had a a, a brownie camera, if you know what that is. Anyway, it's an a old little, brownie, a little box yeah, that you, you look, look down, down and, and it was actually backwards. Yeah, and you the, the, into the, it. the film, you know, was oh, bigger yeah, and everything. Yeah. So we would go out and take the pictures, and I started you're out not like talking writing about the, all the. Uh, you're not that, talking about the one where you put the big case over your head. <laughs> exactly. We had that with the tripod. I would carry the tripod, and I'd be running behind him with the big black Somebody drape and everything. Light yeah. the light the flame torch. <laughs> I set a few kids on fire. Uh, but yeah, so I would go, and we would have to write down all of our settings for every shot. No, because he only had 36 shots. Right. Right. Yeah. On per roll, and then we put a new roll in. He is, so he he was he taught me how the camera works and what the settings mean, and then we would develop it. So we'd go in and play with it. You know, he taught me how to develop film in the dark room, and then how to work the film a bit, how to make it a little, you know change, put it up a stop or whatever by the amount of time you let it sit in the bath, and the different types of film, what they do. Mind you, this was nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine ish. I don't remember a lot of that. But it, but what you, uh, I, I but do you remember. Did start yeah. on film. I started and, on and film. You remember yes. the days of yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you're going underwater. You have to make efficient use of that shutter because you you only yeah. have 36 shots, and you can't like just shots. go change it, right? Right. And you know, a top side, I'd bring several rolls of film, and you had to bring the right ISO. So if like conditions changed, if you got underwater and it was darker than you thought, you might not have the film that could handle it. Or if it's lighter than you thought, you, you, your settings have to be all even cranked up higher. And sometimes the camera doesn't go well. You know, you, yeah, it wasn't doesn't a, do what you wanted to do. Flip of the switch, and you went like it is now. Changed, yeah, you, you changed the ISO. the ISO, which for those who don't know, ISO is the sensitivity of this. What we have is the sensor, which would be the film. Back in the day, anyway, yeah, yeah so, you had so to a lot of, select lot. that and plan it. So I guess where I'm going is like a, in in some ways. A, 
so much has changed in underwater photography. Mm-hmm. But then in other ways, it's yeah. still the same thing. It's, it's just still, still taking a picture. Pretty much the same. And even even Photoshop, you, I don't. I hesitate to say everything. Although, like the real professional photographers, the like scientist photographers, whatever you want to call them, these guys say you can do everything on film that you can do in, in Photoshop. So anything that you can do in Photoshop, which is Photoshop's pretty amazing because you don't have to get dirty, number right. one. And it's non-destructive, meaning you still have the original yeah, yeah. The original shot, and, which and is you film, take, you I think, don't. I think the big thing is 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 you can take six hours right, mm-hmm. to manipulate one photo Oh yeah. versus yeah. what that scientist was saying is it's one click. Yeah, but... And you had to have everything right beforehand. But you could still change it. You can change it in the darkroom, and that's what I'm trying to get at. You can take people out. You can make it darker, lighter. You can lighten up shadows, darken blacks, lighten the blacks, put clarity, dehaze it. All the stuff that we can do right now okay. with Photoshop and, and Lightroom and, and the other softwares out there. I just say the two biggest. But you could do that with film. It's just you really... You you have to be an artist. Not many, you know. It's not like the average Joe Schmo developing uh, their film knows yeah. how to do. Usually, that guy's just like, okay, I read a book or I took a couple lessons, and I just do the standard. This is what you know. This is what I get. Whereas, guy who really knows what he's doing in the dark. That's room, the dark arts of uh, yeah, the dark, the dark arts <laughs> exactly. The dark a guy who knows what he's doing, he can pull out. You know, those shots like, oh, I don't think I got it. And it looks like it's a, could be a, just a black piece of film. Uh, they can pull the shot out of it. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, kind of where I, I started going. So that understanding of film, it trans, it translates easily to me for, uh, that's all I had to do is figure out, okay, the film is the sensor. It's still got the ISO, although you can just change it on the fly. You're like, right. This is amazing. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, and you and you've got a light sensor, right? Which a lot of cameras had light sensors. Well, let me ask you yeah. this. So let, let's look at this. So were you shooting all thirty-five millimeter back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the early days of underwater photography, like when I was a kid getting into scuba, back in the nineties, the Nikonis Five was the classic yeah. camera, right? Mm-hmm. The, for for the longest time, and then the the, the the generations of Nikonis before that even. But so for there, our though, listeners, thirty five millimeter. That's a thirty five mil. That yeah. you had to put a wide angle lens on top of. You had to put different. You could put different lenses on it, right? It was much like our our what we would our digital SLR. It was an SLR camera, meaning a single lens reflex, where the the image comes through the lens and reflects on a little mirror up to an eyepiece. So you actually see what the lens is doing as it's doing it. You put it in focus. You can change. With this lens, you can change the um, focal uh, plane, which is the depth of focus. Yeah. And that okay. you, do, you do that with your, your aperture. And, and, and so, yeah. Explain to people a little bit what, what depth of field is. So depth of field, or, or actually it's focal plane, depth of field, refers to the amount of the picture that's in focus, okay? So like when a lens, we talked about aperture, which is the the hole size, the hole that is allowing the light to hit the film. Yeah, that's aperture, right? right? That determines your depth of focus. 
okay? So it's just like your eyeball. Like you can take and you can make anything. Like if you see something far away, it's a little blurry. You take your fingers, your hand, and make it into a little tiny hole and you peek through it. It'll it'll make it in focus. Which is why people squint when right, they're trying to right. see it something, right? It makes things yeah. in focus. And what that does is, is it, that depth of focus gets huge, right, with a tiny opening. A huge depth of focus, meaning that focal plane. So there's a little... I can focus on something right. 10 feet away and 500 feet, feet away, away and, right. every, and everything a, in between. With a very tiny aperture. I get you. Large yep. So that's how your eyeball kind of works, and the, and the camera lens is the same way. So when you f- like if I were to take a picture of a person 25 feet away from me and I used a larger aperture and I focused on, say, their eyeball, which is what I would focus on, their nose might still be in focus and their ear might still be in focus. But like if there's a street sign in front of them, five feet, blurred. If whatever's five feet behind them, blurred, okay? And that that's that, okay, that sure. distance in between, like your nose to your ear, that's your focal plane. That's Got a it. very thin focal plane. And that happens with wide apertures, like, you know, 1.8 kind of thing, which means the hole is very large, lets a lot of light in. So you have to make a quick shutter speed. Yeah, good so, stuff. I, yeah, so the, all basic mechanics that you you learned decades ago mm-hmm. in photography that still all really apply to today. Well, yeah, yeah. Cameras right. have they they've gone digital. They're no longer analog. They're digital, meaning we have electronic film, but it still works the same way. You still have a shutter. You still have film, which is the sensor, something to record the light on. So that's all film does. Is it records light, right? Light affects the silver nitrates, whatever. Light affects that, and that's how you bring out an image. Same thing with the sensor. The light, those little uh, photoreceptor cells on the sensor, and that's what you're paying for. I mean, a lot of times you're paying for how good those are, how good the mechanics of the shutter works, uh, how reliable that camera is, how it's sealed from the weather. When you start to jack up your price of of a camera, and the size of that sensor, how many... How many uh, megapixels? In other words, that refers to, uh, in a certain way, to the uh, how many photoreceptor cells you've got. Yeah. So and well, the, that is equivalent to getting really good film. Yeah, I was just right? going to say, yeah. the quality of the film. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting because I've got this story from the 80s by Jim and Kathy Church, which were- Oh, yeah. They were huge. The, yeah. Know, they're uh, just still around, like aren't in they? in the heyday of- uh, Yeah. 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 You, know, you the, should point out- classic. Classic underwater photographers. Yes. You know, decades, decades long, pre-digital, and then into the digital era too. You know, they right. were they were uh, just yes. go to names in, in the scuba world for underwater photography. I think any photographer that was really big with film and saw digital coming, there are purists. Like I was a purist for a long time. I, I didn't I was like oh but eventually well, the a, eventually you didn't have a choice because there was a time where well, digital digital yeah. just yeah, it was it quick, it was easy, up. but it didn't. There was nowhere near the quality, and I no. think it was about the time when the cameras kind of went past that ten megapixel zone. They had to get up is, there. Yeah, is mm-hmm. now you actually could have a you could print out a quality of, of yeah a, eight of by a picture eight by ten, and it rivaled the film exactly. Whereas when they were still four, six, eight megapixels, they were fine on a mm-hmm. you know a, a five by eight. Yeah. Four by six print, but you try to blow it up, you could see Couldn't the graininess. It, yeah. it just it wasn't or you could there. see the pixels coming yeah. out, right? Uh, now they have you know hundred megapixels yeah, plus. Who knows what the military has? 
Now that I'll tell you are insane. I'll tell you the one sharper thing, than film. Sharper than film. I'll tell you the one thing that I would say was a benefit to photography back in the days like the eighties. Yeah. Was that you you had to be more calculated. You had to know with, what you were doing. You had to know what you were doing. You had to be or more calculated just, with your finger. You just bring back garbage, <laughs> man. You right. bring back black film and I think every photographer that started back then has whole roles like that, you know, or ninety percent of the role is just there was such garbage. a learning curve. Yes. And I I think the Nikonis you had a viewfinder, but it, it wasn't a single wasn't, lens reflex, it, meaning you couldn't see what that lens sees. You had to do it all by settings. And and the, the view, even like the viewfinder, depending on the lens you had yeah. on there, the viewfinder really wasn't what you were going to get no. on the film. So you had to learn to see around the whole camera, mm-hmm. around the viewfinder, get a general feel for yeah. what it's got. But that's not what was going to come out. So it took you a while of taking pictures oh, to it's know expensive. what you were going to see <laughs> and film. what you were going to get. That's what you know. We should should go back because I know a lot of our audience are younger than than us. So a Nikonis camera was an underwater camera that wasn't a camera in a housing. It in, in itself was waterproof, right? It was all sealed and, and and it was waterproof. Now you could still buy a housing to put put a film camera in and and a lens with a dome port. You could still buy like what we do today, right. which is basically. You know, take a, a nice DSLR, a, housed, a, housed can, camera, yeah. a, a digital camera, and put it in a housing, and it gives you, a, you know, access to being able to take pictures with a good camera underwater. The Nikonis itself was just waterproof, and you had to use their lenses, and they were good lenses. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're good. It had good stuff. It's pros, the pros' choice. I it think was a for lot the of times, time, right? Yeah. Well, this is a cool little story because they, because they start this off with a little bit of a story, not much unlike many that you and I have had or many that any diver has had where conditions change, dive sites change, and uh, what you think you're going to get, you're going to have to make some changes to, which kind of force them into making some different pictures and what they originally wanted to take and what could they get. And you have a lot of photos that look glamorous, but you and I know it's just we got a good shot (laughs) on a shitty dive, you know? Because well, of, yeah, because we yeah. used you know the couple of little things that we had yes. in the water with us and through perspective and through your knowledge of the camera we were we were able to pull off a cool shot. Now you and I know it was just our crappy little local dive, our basic yeah. little conditions. But to somebody looking through underwater photos, like oh this one's kind of cool. cool. Yeah, shot, they are you know? cool shots. And that's what the the artistry of photography really is Part at the end of, that, of the day. Yeah, for is, sure is. Right, because you could take the same exact C fan with ten different photographers, mm-hmm. and you're going to have ten different shots. Yeah, and if you some take a photography really boring, class, yeah, that's some of them kind really of boring, it. Some of them really yeah. awesome. You know, they're trying to show that to you. It's like, okay, here's the assignment. There's this bowl of apples here in the front of the room. I don't want anybody having you know the same shot here. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, I don't want a picture of a bowl of apples. Right, exactly. Uh, and that's just you know that's an example. But underwater, you, you, it's tough in our neck of the woods. Where the water's usually greeny, right? Greeny. Yeah. It's not really aqua. Great Lakes. We got some beautiful stuff, but even then, you can have your days where it's green. So, I'm not a fan of the green water picture. So, I'm gonna try to do something with the light there. I'm gonna try to, you know, post processing, do something. And then our visibility typically isn't, you know, Grand Cayman, and the subjects 
There isn't a lot of color, right? Yeah, you, if simple. your buddy's got a, a a red dry suit, there there's a little splash of red there. Um, but other than that, it's you know blues, blacks, grays, greens, greens, browns. yellows, and sometimes that dark muddy orange color for the bottom. You know, that's what you got to work with. So if you can pull off a shot there, I'm I'm always, that's why I keep saying I think a cool inland lake photography contest because that ocean it's easy to pull off a really interesting colorful shot of, a, of an animal that you don't get to see all the time right nobody wants to see a, a, a freaking bass i mean maybe you do i don't know but it's put a bass next to that you know uh crayon pony fish <laughs> it's not even in the in the same and people are going to be like crayon pony fish well you put a you know a, a bass Next to a Napoleon Rass. Napoleon Rass. I saw that movie. Or a the stoplight parrotfish. Yeah. It's it's hard to compare colors. Right. No doubt about it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you don't have that pop. And when you look at pictures, what gets you with photography and photos? Is the pop. There's those are kind of you got that. You've got the you know, and then right, the placement and that, and of the subject. Exactly, and by the way, that's exactly in. the shot I'm talking about. Yeah. Is the the shot of the bass. Popping right in yes. front and, and mm-hmm. me off in the back, just above that little mm-hmm. dumpy little speedboat, right. right? Which you and I know is a just a, just a boring old dumpy little dive. A bunch of zebra mussels <laughs> all over it. It's greeny, black, brown, gray. That's all it is. But it's because white of your, to offset it. But because of the the force perspective, the that little you camera used, trick, yeah, yeah, the, your control of the depth of field, having the right lens, yeah, using the lighting the way you did, that shot pops. It does. Well, it draws your eye in. And that's the whole thing with photography. Draw draw the viewer into it. Right? Bam. And, and make them, I mean, a lot of times you're trying to make them follow the path you want them to follow in the picture. Like, look here and then follow it right into the picture. It draws them further into the picture. And that's what that kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because of the force perspective. You've got a what was a small fish, nondescript small fish, Bam in your face with the diver. Looks like a beast. Yes, yeah, yeah. looks like compared to the you know the diver's six foot tall, kind of you know a diver. Good next to this, what is not a big fish, but no. looks like holy moly. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a Goliath grouper. Yeah, when in reality it's a you know an eight inch. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Why do some underwater pictures give you a greater feeling of depth than others? The near subjects loom up large and bright. The far subjects have sharp definition and contrast, and the water appears delightfully clear. The answer is probably as follows. Force perspective was used to produce a view that you could never duplicate with your Nikonis 35mm or other standard lens. The photographer used a wide-angle lens held close to the near subject. Our basic technique is to use force perspective in such a way that the pictures appear natural to the viewer. Although we have been doing this for years, the following dive caused us to specifically identify force perspective as a technique to study, work, and share with you. Our original goal had been to take some wide-angle scenics of three divers swimming over large sponge and coral formations on the north wall of Grand Cayman. Jim had drawn his usual stick figure sketches and had discussed the shots with his models. He would be using our new Nikon 16mm full-frame fisheye lens and Icolite housing with super-wide dome port with twin Icolite substrobes. 
lunch was packed because this would be an all-day effort. So I, he mentioned that wide angle, which is is critical for that kind of shot because you have to get close to the small object. And you're trying to capture and you three want the whole divers thing. in, yeah. so you got so much you got to capture. You need this yeah. wide-angle lens, right? Yes. You've got to get close, and you want to capture it all in the frame, and you don't want it to overtake the whole f- frame because you want the background in there too. Normally, if you get close with like a 50-millimeter lens, 35-millimeter lens, whatever, you get close with that, it, whatever's close, even if it is small, is going to take up the whole view. It's good, right, you know, yeah. It's going to take up the whole frame. So that's that... That is what the wide angle allows us to do underwater, is it allows us to get closer to our subject, meaning there's less water, meaning there's more light to be able to see, because the water filters the light out, right? Right. The distance of water. So we can get close to something and still capture something big. So it looks like we're farther away than we really are. But. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Beginning with an outboard that never started, there were problems. After an hour of frustration, Jim decided to swim the group to the little wall 100 yards offshore. One of the models, however, announced that her ears were bothering her, and the male model decided to accompany her ashore. We decided, with uh, Jim muttering something about his biorhythm. <laughs> 80s, man. <laughs> Biorhythms were big. I don't think they do that anymore, do they? I think he was more pissed off, like they're just going back to have a little romp these two models meanwhile i'm already locked cocked ready to rock with these photos and all y'all and kathy is probably like you never want to have any fun (laughs) you never want to have any fun you never ask you never ask about my biorhythms jim (laughs) how do you even know her biorhythms how do you know her biorhythm i'm surprised she didn't get upset (laughs) right right You never look at another girl's biorhythms. You, you never look at my biorhythms. You're never concerned about my biorhythms, well, Jim. I've seen your biorhythms. And her biorhythms are. Your biorhythms aren't model biorhythms. So we decided to make the dive alone and photograph whenever we could. So now Again. it's going to be just the two of them. Hey, Photography, man. We got these wide-angle lenses. We were lo- hoping yes. to take this big wall shot of huge sponges, multiple divers, mm-hmm. Now it's just you and me going, right? And we're on a flat, sandy bottom with a, a couple of little do? things. Mm-hmm. Think, what can we do? Right. The little wall was beautiful as it is. Was disappointing at first because we were emotionally charged up for the big wall and its larger subjects. Jim settled on a flat sand patch and looked upward <laughs> at a five-foot vertical rise in the coral, a scrubby little gorgonian, less than two feet high partially blocked his view not accustomed to working with the new 16 millimeter full frame fisheye lens jim half-heartedly raised the camera housing and framed the little gorgonian in the new large nikon sport finder its image was small so he moved in closer until it loomed up in the viewfinder kathy who had been watching swam into the background Watching her own reflection in the dome port, she positioned herself as a background diver. The scene in the viewfinder was looking good. The Gorgonian loomed up large, and the small rise in the coral became a wall. And Kathy, only a few feet from the camera, became a sharply defined, distant diver, adding depth to the picture. Now that we had a new goal, using forced perspective, the disappointment of the aborted boat dive was forgotten. All forgotten. Yeah, so now we're, we're in the water, total bummer of a dive, 
But now we're really? having fun because mm-hmm. we got something to do. We got a little bit of a challenge in the water. Let's see what we can uh, make out of yeah. these new conditions. And uh, here you got like just this simple little gorgonian that you're going to use to basically take up most of the frame and put a little diver off to, to capture something really cool. Or you've got like a uh, like AC fan. You know, I think of having like AC fan where 80% of it is dried out, fallen, broken, but there's one edge of it that's colorful and pretty. Yeah. Right? You crop all of that out with a diver and uh, you sh- like when you're flipping through looking at the picture in the magazine or whatever, as the viewer, you don't realize that all the rest of that sea fan looked like hell. All you see is this perfect shot that's captured yeah. and then the diver in there and you're like, wow, this is a beautiful place. Well, that's what that's a photographer's job, right? Uh, make it look like, I mean, you don't always have to make it look like it's something completely different, but you've got an image of what you want in your head and you got to make that, you know, put it on the wall kind of thing and make it look intriguing. That's and, how I and, found yeah. myself at the Hotel Barracuda in Cozumel yeah. back in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pictures in the brochure looked It fantastic. looked good. I know, I've been to the Hotel Barracuda. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The old Hotel Barracuda. That was the... And it was the cheapest place <laughs> yeah. on the strip kind of place, <laughs> right, isn't right, it? Yeah, you know? yeah. Hotel Barracuda. Nice. But that's kind of, you know, that serendipity thing that you're always looking for in scuba diving, period. But then when you, you've got photography under your belt to take with you, even, uh, you know, what normally you're like, oh, well, we've had happy little accidents, right? Serendipity, whatever. Uh, it works in our favor. We get something new that we didn't think we could get. Yeah. Some you know, really intriguing shots. Yeah, what would be, like, when we did the New Year's Day dive up in Traverse City. Yeah. Right? Boring-ass, 20 Shore, feet of water. Yeah. Sandy. Not sandy, not, not much in there. Good viz. Great viz. Boom. Yeah, insane viz. Right, so you, hey, we're, we're, we're there, we're underwater, we got the camera, let's figure out a way to, yeah. to get a couple of shots to, right. to walk away with, right? That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. After finishing our 36 exposures... Kathy thought of a new setup. She gently coaxed a black sea urchin out from under a coral ledge with her snorkel and picked up a spine with her thumb and first finger. We, uh, you finally got a use for that snorkel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Take it all back. Everybody should have I, a snorkel. I, I, photographer should have, <laughs> should a, have snorkel. a snorkel. I, I, I still don't know if I'd go that. I don't know why pull her knife out or something, but yeah. Snorkel. It is a good use for that gun. Blessed. Swimming up near the surface with a ball of sun behind her, she dropped the urchin over Jim. Looking upward through the SLR viewfinder, he watched the urchin's image grow larger as it drifted down towards his camera. He caught the urchin on the palm of his gloved hand and passed it back to Kathy. After several attempts, a basic technique was developed. We worked the urchin again that afternoon using film this time and got our pictures with both strobe, fill, and natural light. Because the urchin was only a foot or less from the camera, it appears huge in the pictures. Hmm. And because Kathy was much closer to the camera than she appears to be in the pictures, her images on film were sharp and bright because of the reduced camera-to-subject distance. So that wide-angle lens. So they were using digital? No. Oh, then what do you mean using film this time? Because they ran out of film. So the, the first time oh, she was just dropping oh, oh, okay. and he was just playing okay. with the viewfinder, like, kind of getting a okay. feel for, okay. oh, yeah, yeah this yeah. could be a good shot. This could be yeah. cool. Then they got out of the water, had to change film, okay. got back in. Now we can actually take Should some it. shots. 
So it says uh, because Kathy was much closer to the camera than she appears to be in the pictures, her images on the film were sharp and bright. So with her in there as well, mm-hmm. because she's actually fairly close to the camera. Well, that's that wide angle. She's all mm-hmm. fully in there. And she's got a lot of in light. Focus, because, in light because yeah. the strobe's actually hitting her. Yeah, there's not a lot of water between her and the lens. Right, right because to filter out that 16 light. millimeter. If, yeah. she, if he was on that 35, he'd have to be so far away exactly. to have all of her in there that the strobes are light. never going to hit her. Right, you, it's going to be tough. And what you, I mean, what does hit her be very low? You got to remember, strobes underwater, even the most powerful, they're only good about for like 10 feet. The most powerful ones, they're only you know, halfway good for about 10 feet in really clear water. It's even, you know, this is when you see somebody taking pictures in a stadium with their DSLR, right? So they bought, they bought a $500 camera because they need a DSLR. And then they're in a stadium taking a picture of whatever's going on, the, the sports, whatever. And you see the little pop-up flash go up. That flash goes about, that pop-up flash is about a four-foot maybe the eight foot range of really having any real, you know, effect on the, uh, the picture on the sensor. It, it's not very but far. That, but I've got this, uh, this guy's a hundred feet. Yeah. I got this 18 inch lens on that. Yeah. <laughs> that little pop-up flash isn't going to do anything. No, even if you had, no matter what lens you have on it, whatever you're trying to take a picture of out on that field that you're sitting, you know, 50 to a hundred feet away from flash doesn't do. That's how you, when I go to events and I see, you know, especially like the soccer, I do my kids, They've got DSLR, new parents, and they're sitting there taking pictures with their SLR camera that they bought at Costco. Uh, yeah, I'm a camera snob. I'm, <laughs> and their little pop-up flash is going off because it's a little shady. Yeah, you know, there might be a cloudy day. I'm just like, what? You know what's on auto, which that's the first sign of a, you know, you're not trying. Is, is That's why I, I kind of go, stop, stop. If you're going to buy the SLR, try, learn about it. Otherwise, just get a little point and shoot. That's what those are for, is for people that don't want to learn. learn. All they want is the picture. You might as well use your camera and on your you, phone. You might you know? as well use your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. So if you're going to get the SLR, you might as well learn, learn. about photography That's so, that you can, so you can get so much more out of the camera. That's it. Exactly. You will actually be able to pull a picture out of... So the, the only thing that little pop-up flash is going to do is it's going to light up... Close by. Somebody who accidentally walks in front of you. Exactly. That's about it. That is it exactly. It's not, and that's why you, like my camera doesn't have a pop-up flash on it. It's an SLR because the pop-up flashes are really. You don't need them. They're for paupers. (laughs) (laughs) They're for the peasantry. They're for the bourgeois. So bourgeois. Um, the alignment of the near and far subjects often makes or breaks the picture. Think for a moment how you would align a near kelp frond or curved finger sponge with a distant diver or large fish if the near subject blocks the view to the subject's face or eyes. The picture is a waste of film. True. Right? And uh, again, this is when you got roughly 30 shots. You know, Yeah. And that's it. And then yeah. you're done. That is one of those, you know, again, to look back on the film, that made you a very disciplined photographer. Yeah, well again, well described. It right. was the discipline of planning when, the shot. When you're going to hit that shutter. Yeah. Planning the shot, knowing the right settings. You had to know how far away. You can, you know, like look through and a little, 
half press your shutter and a little red light goes on. Beep, it's in focus, right? None of that, none of that crap. It was all f- full manual, and you had to adjust your focal length, the the focal length, the distance, focal distance, I should say, by an estimate of how far you were, yeah. right? With an Iconus, aligning your subjects can be tricky because the line of sight of the viewfinder is above the line of sight of the lens, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, right? Thus, the alignment you see isn't the alignment you get on film. Tilting the camera or viewfinder to correct the parallax doesn't always work because the lens sees the subject at a different angle than the viewfinder. At medium and long distances, these differences in angles may not be noticeable. But when you're trying to align a near subject that is only a foot or so away from the lens with the distant subject, parallax problems become much more troublesome. Right. That angle that angle now changes so much more in the in the in the frame just by minute changes because you're so close, you know. You know what I'm saying? Correct. It's yeah. like um it's it's kind of the opposite effect of being five degrees off on a compass course. Right. If you're going if you're going three hundred well if you're going yeah. five feet away, it's not a big deal. You're going you know, 300 feet, feet away, away yeah. it's a bigger deal. You're going hundred feet away. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you're five degrees off and you're traveling three hundred feet you are you, you won't even be able to see it probably right right you know especially in the 10 foot of viz or five foot of viz that we have in our inland lakes that's what and that's again, what he's talking about yeah, here you exactly. shift that angle a little mm-hmm. bit it it changes so much of what right. you capture right is exactly the opposite of uh, of that it's a good analogy but invert it kind of thing in tropical waters now we're moving into lighting techniques the sunlight exposure for the far subject and the background is usually determines the aperture. Say that again. The- In clear tropical waters, the sunlight exposure for the far subject and background usually yeah. determines the aperture. Therefore, begin with an exposure meter reading for the far subject. Let's say F11 for this example. Assuming you wish to use strobe lighting to accent the near subject, look at your strobe exposure chart and find the strobe to subject distance for an F11 to F16 exposure. This will give you soft strobe fill lighting on the near subject. The far subject may also receive some fill lighting, but the basic exposure will be sunlight. If you use two strobes, one for the near and other for the far subject, be sure to determine the strobe to subject distances for each. Having an assistant handhold the second strobe can make your job easier. So in this technique, they, they've got multiple light sources. Yeah, well, you always, almost always do. Well, Because otherwise, otherwise yeah. you're basically shooting a silhouette it yeah. is all you got. You need something to light up that close because your cameras, I mean, if you, if you want to get the light of the sun or the background, the ambient light in there, right? Because mm-hmm. you want the background. You're also you're trying to catch a subject, a close-by subject, and a, a background. And you want them to be... The thing about forced perspective is they have to be lit the same. Okay, they have to appear to be at the same level of light. Right, right. Because if the other one right. in the background isn't lit as well, it's going to look far away. Or... The idea you're trying to bring the far right. away close and push the close far away right. kind of a thing. Right? Or in the case of looking up, you know, you're looking at the the sun is basically lighting the background, right? You've got the sun lighting the background. So it's bright. What's close to you is not getting any light because the sun is behind your subject, right? Coming in. Yeah, yeah, I see. So your close-up subject, your camera's going to gauge, if you gauge for that lighting in the background, 
your shutter speed or your aperture, we were talking about the aperture is, is what he's going to gauge that on. It's bright, so you've got to dial down that aperture. You've got to constrict the hole, okay? So that's a, a higher f-stop. F-stop refers to the aperture opening size. Thing is, you'll use like the, you said f11 earlier. Um, that's, that's starting to get small. You know, you get to f16, f18, f20, 22. That's really small. And it puts everything in focus. You know, the focal plane is really large. It's, it's you know, close is focus. You know, one foot away is in focus. Infinity is in focus. So, yeah. that, but it doesn't allow a lot of light in. So what's going to happen to that subject that I don't have any light on? It's going to look dark. It's going to just be black. It's yeah. going to be a silhouette, just like you said. That's why you need that strobe or some kind of lighting, lighting up your close-by subject. And then at the end, when you actually look at the, the photo, yeah. you've got from close, too far, all lit up well. All with the same light, yeah, yeah the yeah, same yeah. exposure. It looks like the same exposure. And, and because it's all in focus, it looks like, you know, your normal eye is thinking, oh, there's just a small focal plane. So that's why it looks kind of... It's wow, a, these guys must be, that guy's huge, or that thing in the for, foreground here is huge, because it still looks like you're in the foreground with it, or whatever the background is in the, is in the foreground, because it's in focus. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, that whole, that's what they mean by you're forcing a perspective. This is the perspective you're trying to get, you just force. You force it to work. Right, it's by like, being it's, way of lighting. You know, and, what, what comes style. to mind right now is some of these absolutely amazing cave shots yeah. that you're seeing nowadays like with yeah. the with the the luxury of having all the the powerful lighting that we have nowadays right is the camera the strobe that the guy with the camera is going to have is only going to light up that little bit of an mm -hmm. area but you've got those other divers with those high power high power video strobes lights, video lights video like yeah. lighting up that whole back of the, mm -hmm. the the cave and now you're able to snap a shot with a whole big blue beautiful cave right. all lit up whereas with just the camera you're just going to get that one area close by you right. need that subject for the the strobe to hit right right and that's what kind of what he's saying here is the sunlight is lighting up the whole area that my strobes are never going to touch right and that's so what I you have use to that lighting to light that up and then this gotta, part that i can hit i'm going to physically force the light upon strobe with my strobe right yeah, yeah. so you that's called metering where are you going to meter your camera are you going to meter it on the background or the foreground depending and what on he's what saying here is you you meter on the background let the natural exactly. light take care of that and then what can't be controlled you're going to fix you're going to control it yeah. right you're going to add your own lighting and that's yeah. the way you do a shot where the background is lighter and you want it like you want that light in there now you can do the backgrounds you know like i pulled off those shots where you're lit and it looks like you're floating in blackness right which is a cool shot yeah, a lot of times is... macro will do that kind of thing but uh and that's doing the opposite kind of you're you're not going to meter on that background it can look like what we just described it's a daylight condition but you don't meter on that matter so what you do is you shut the light down and it makes it look was that at night? Did you guys take that picture exactly. at midnight? Exactly. Right, I'm with you. That's cool stuff, man. Although wide beam strobes are usually used with wide angle lenses, a normal beam strobe can be used to accent a specific subject area, such as a diver's face. If you have both a wide and a normal beam strobe, you can use more varied techniques. 
The wide beam strobe can spread light over a wide picture area while you use the normal beam strobe to accent specific subject areas. So it's just having strobe choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more the more tools you have in your toolbox, oh, yeah. the more the more you can do, eh? Well, yeah. So you want those that wide beam strobe, or you want the strobe that you can adjust. You know, wide beam, narrow beam. And now that's it, why you have that. Now you're throwing money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why photography is, starts to get expensive. Ching, yes. ching, I can hear it right now. Yeah, man. And then you flood it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, let's talk about some close-ups. You can also force perspective with close-up subjects. With an Iconis and a wide-angle lens or adapter that can be focused down to less than a foot from the film plane, hold the camera in close. The dome port should only be about six to eight inches from the subject. The open end of tube sponges, fronds of kelp, a hermit crab in its shell, or the face of a friendly grouper will loom up toward the viewer in your color slides. It's true, it will. And wide it just makes, yeah, mm-hmm. just well, that's the wide angle. It yeah. just makes it whatever you're taking a picture of look huge. Well, that's what and all know, all encompassing. Also, the a dome port on your camera, you know, for the newer photographers out there. Because when I brought this up in the classes I teach, like, hey, you need wide angle. They're they're shooting with a 35 or a 55 underwater. I go, you can pull off a shot. I mean, you can get a shot, but in our water, it's really difficult because we don't typically have the greatest viz. So if you start putting more water, if you put three to five feet of water in front of someone, it's going to start to take away from the quality of the the image, right? Yeah, absolutely. Versus like I can be right up on you two feet away and still get most of you in the in the shot. So get that wide angle lens is what I'm getting at. Is the, the, the underwater, if you're an underwater photographer, you need a wide you angle You need lens. wide angle. Yeah. I'm with you. Use F22 to maximize the wide angle field to Focal maximize length. the wide angle depth of field and start by holding the strobe about a foot from the subject from above and behind the camera. So F22 is on many lenses that's as small as it'll go. Okay, the F22. Uh, so, so that's, that's your aperture. In, mm-hmm. Letting in very little amount of it's light. It's like pinhole size, yep. yeah. And then you're going to let in little light because you're going to add it all with the strobe. Well, that's the right? thing. Is the strobe is so powerful, and it's so close to you now. Your subject is so close that you really have to dial that f-stop down to keep it from blowing, what's called blowing out. That just means it's all white, right? Because there's so much light. Yeah, the highlights are not even, they've blown out any detail. You're not going to get anything. So when you've got the sun as your background, you can do that. That's great, right? If you've got a really bright background and you want to light up this person close by and get the background in there, Dial it down to F22 and put a powerful strobe in there, and boom, it'll it'll catch you and that beautiful blue watered background that typically, if I wanted to get you, I'd have to blow out the background, and it, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'd have to meter on you because you have to, yeah, because you have yeah. to open up the aperture right to, to get, let more to light. Get me, mm-hmm. we're not even talking shutter speed here, so that's another, you know, variable uh, that parameter yeah. exactly that you can change to, to but. Anyway, you can create some special effects with force perspective. In one set of experiments, for example, we had an Iconis camera on its back at the base of a small Gorgonian. With the 15 millimeter set for F22 and one foot, everything from about six inches to five feet from the dome would be acceptably sharp. With the camera body flush against the bottom, we 
couldn't use the viewfinder. Rather, we looked down at the camera to estimate picture area by looking at the reflection in the dome port. Jim reached in from the side to avoid getting into the wide angle picture area and triggered the shutter while Kathy posed five or six feet above the lens. The resulting pictures gave us a feeling of a diver lost in a barren forest. The many branches assumed the shapes and silhouettes of tree trunks and branches. This technique could also be used with kelp stalks or fronds and other marine growth. Cool. Yeah, that's a pretty cool shot. Mm-hmm. So just giving you ideas, I hope, to, to our aspiring photographers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Selfies. That's yeah, an I mean, old I mean, school that's selfie. A, right. And that's even like doing, um, you know, th- those people using just like a basic GoPro. I mean, that's an easy one to... You can get low. You can get into tight places behind things mm-hmm. and snap a shot looking through right. something. It looking gives up. a like, mm-hmm. wow, where the heck where the heck are you guys at? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just some... Exactly. Just some, yeah. some seaweed on the on the bottom, <laughs> but given a cool, fun special effect. Another special effect he says, which has become a standard setup for our photo courses, is the through the porthole shot of the wreck of the Balboa. A close focusing wide angle lens is held about six inches from the circular hole in a steel plate, and a diver poses a few feet beyond. The hole is lined with fire coral and small sea fans. In the finished picture, the small hole becomes the entrance to a large tunnel lined with a giant fire coral and fans framing an inquisitive diver. Nice. Another cool shot. Here. Okay, so they give us a couple of uh, problems that we can solve. Quadratic formula. He says uh, that you're gonna ex- you can expect a few problems trying to shoot with this technique. Mm-hmm. The first one, he says, finding subjects may be difficult until you develop an eye for spotting potential setups. The foreground subject must be something that distortion won't make ugly. It must be well-defined and not too small. Solution, a practice eye with an empty camera or with just the wide-angle Nikona's viewfinder, is an excellent way to train your eye. Get low, get close, and look upward at everything through the viewfinder. Get closer than you have in the past. If you don't have the patience to practice with an empty camera, then practice after you've shot your last frame of film. And this is really something that we don't have to deal with nowadays no. because you can take a cheap. thousand pictures yeah. and, and not be a film big deal. Film is cheap, baby. And, uh, but back in these days, what he's saying yeah. is you need to spend time in the water just training your eye, looking right. for not you know the whale shark swimming mm-hmm. at you that you're going to just snap the yeah. picture of, like setting up that artsy shot because, again, they got forced to do the force perspective because the, the big shots that they wanted to take. They couldn't, yeah. Yeah, they, they got. They lost their models. Yeah, they lost, uh, they lost those tools in their toolbox. So they had the models to, went to use their tools. Oh, yeah. The models their went bio, to... Their bio... <laughs> rhythms, rhythms were... We're not taking pictures. We're ticking. At least not underwater. Uh, and that, you should point out there, and he's talking about when using a wide-angle lens, there are certain hazards, if you want to call them hazards. There are certain things that... Some, if you, can, you can make these things work to your advantage, too, but a lot of people don't realize when you use a wide-angle lens, like whatever's in the middle of it, it's going to be very large, especially in a dome port, but a super wide angle lens, 
going to be very large. So if you're doing portraits of people with a wide-angle lens, which is what he's talking about really kind of underwater, is it's kind of a portrait of a person. It's a person, right? If you're getting like their face up there. Remember that if you put their nose, if they already have a big nose, and one of them, and I've done this on accident too, I've learned this by accident, is somebody, you know, especially a feminine girl that wants a nice, a pretty portrait. If they got, if you're using that wide-angle lens because you want to get a nice close-up shot and, and still capture some of the background, if they're in the middle, their nose is going to be huge. Just remember that that whatever's in the middle like blows up, and then their head tapers off like a pinhead up at the top. Sometimes, yeah, if that's the desired look, it's not a great no, like no, which is beauty. The, that's beauty why I always shot. focus right on the boobs. <laughs> so, yeah, and and it, that's how what I'm saying is, if you know what you're doing, you can really make it work for in your advantage or for your advantage anyway for your desired effect. I'm not a pervert. I'm a photographer. I'm using the tools that I have. It's the lens. It's the lens. It's the lens. Yeah, because I've got a I've got a couple good lenses that I really like that have wide aperture that I use indoors and when places I can't you know when I would do the event stuff I couldn't use flash in a lot of places so I would use this one lens that I got problem is if it's somebody up close and it's wide angle there's gonna be distortion oh my yeah, gosh yeah, right, yeah. Right. and when working with upward camera angles any bubbles from your mask BC regulator or hoses will float up into the picture these bubbles can also adhere to the outer surface of your dome port Keep your dive gear in top condition and time your exposures with your breathing to keep exhaust bubbles out of the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, that's just photography 101 in many ways, right? You got to be aware. Right. You know, you have to be aware of as the photographer of uh, of the bubbles getting in the way of the camera. And then as the, the model, mm-hmm. right, you want to be aware of when you, when, you, when you see that diver getting ready to take your mm-hmm. picture. You got to be able to stop the breathing to right. stop the bubbles. Yeah, but but then as you're holding it, and especially as the the photographer, I don't want the bubbles. And when I'm doing an upshot, so I've got to stop breathing. But you got to remember, you can't stop breathing with a full breath because you right. start floating up. Right, and then you've got to exhale a little. And you, you don't want that. And you can't right? stop breathing right. with an empty breath because well, it starts sinking and falling. Right, so you, you got to find okay, where am I? Okay, so just stop. I don't claim like I've got it mastered, nor do I claim it. It's super easy. But uh, that's the issues you run into, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's, it's the to... synergy between a model and a photographer, right. too, is being mm-hmm. able to read kind of... when they're going to be able to right. snap the picture and then when I can start breathing again so I can go back to... Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that... Yeah, when, and when is... Sometimes a, a little cloud of bubbles over the photographer, I kind of like. I mean, it yep, shows no some action, about... like yeah. there's something... Whereas there's no animation in it. Well, that's it, that's the that's the artistic like a, part, right? Yeah. The, yeah, ru- yeah. the rule Getting is what you want. the rule is never exhale, no bubbles in the pictures until it's time to break the rule because yeah. you're yeah, being he, artsy and creative. Right. I want it to look more active. Yeah. The front edge of your strobe may show up in the corner of the picture area, or it may be close enough to cause backscatter at the edge of the picture. Solution, the strobe must be held behind the camera or well to the side when using the 35mm format. Try holding the strobe above or below the subject when shooting horizontals. And when shooting verticals, try holding the strobe to the side. So the wider and wider that angle gets with the lens, you got to be aware of little mm-hmm. things that would never have gotten in the way before. Right. And, it, well, and that's why they were saying trying to go up and down on a vertical or on a horizontal. So... 
because, because it's yeah, so because, wide. Because it is so wide. Right? Yeah. You get it over the top. It's not nearly as wide up and down vertically. Right. Models may find it difficult to work close to the camera. Because of past experience, they usually back away to about three feet or more. Solution, you got to be patient. Well, you can move You can move in on, you know, that's what... Uh, that's called your manual zoom kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's subject, the yeah. being able to be a good diver, right? right. Your, yourself and being able yeah. to stay still, mm-hmm. move forward, back up a little bit. Yeah, right in in mid water there. Have the model swim over your position to look through the wide angle viewfinder. This provides a better understanding of what the scene looks like above water. Show the model's pictures, both good and bad, and use simple stick figure sketches to illustrate the scene you want. Tell the model to help compose by looking at his or her reflection in your dome port. But when you signal that you are about to take the picture, that model should look away from the lens. Look away. So those are all little little tools. Like like Mm -hmm. what we're going to use this weekend, we're going to do a a scope out day is the plan. Right. Right. And then uh, we're going to go back and get get the 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 shots shots that we want to do. You know, so, yeah, we're going to get a good feel for what we have, visibility, layout, lighting and everything plan it all out that evening mm-hmm. and then uh hopefully knock out some good shots that's the way i like day to do too it. Yeah. yeah i mean that that's ideal sometimes you don't have that ability right you, yeah you don't have the ability to do the same dive a couple day, times yeah. in a row and mm-hmm. or it's you know it's super deep and, or the yeah, conditions change the conditions and, change and the yeah. next time you can go with those conditions could be never or yeah. months away or and or equipment failure yeah. and or your models go back to the room to because do their Biochemistry, their biorhythms are 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 saying we're not going to go underwater today. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there's a there's a lot to take into account. A lot of things can change. You got to be able to roll with it. Unwanted subject matter, such as fins, the arms or legs of other divers, snorkels, snorkels, (laughs) anchor lines, or distracting backgrounds, can show up in the finished picture. Solution is examine the entire scene in the viewfinder from edge to edge and corner to corner. When you are concentrating on the main subject you see in the central section of the viewfinder, you can easily overlook these distractions. Yeah, you have to take the whole scene into account when you're taking photos. And this is something I've learned the hard way, especially doing, like I'd get an assignment. It's the cover, man. Do it, do it right. They're giving me all this pressure. I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, I go there, and they want it. They live in like a mansion, you know, I shouldn't say like a mansion, it's a mansion. They live in a mansion and trying to find a spot in their place. You know, the typical coming down the spiral staircase, the three of them there, they, you yeah, know, yeah. but they were, they weren't kind of like, that's like um, a little too glamorous for these guys. These are working guys. I didn't pay attention to the background and there's shit in the background. Like you, you don't, it's the, distracting, the right? <laughs> the laundry, needs right? To get just done, stupid you know? stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, there's a, you know, whatever, a bottle, half bottle of wine and glasses or whatever is there. The long story short is the background is just as much, if not more, important than an actual for. So you got to pay attention to that and and relating it to diving. What we, you know, you and I especially, but when I take photos of people diving, I always say, if you look bad, I look bad. So I don't, I don't like you out of trim. I don't like mud. You know, unless that's part of the scene, sure, you know, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. It, get, you're yeah. working or whatever. Um, I don't like split fins. I don't like snorkels. <laughs> I don't like your shit not clipped off and hanging and dragging. Anything that you might have forgotten, you know. Oh, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. sit and criticize your diving. But it's like you got to clean up, right? No, I, the I, shot, I, you I know what I'm you, saying? I hear you. Um, 
And those are the things you got to, when you're taking those pictures of those divers, remember that. If they look bad, you look bad. So if they're yeah, sitting so there, a horse, delete, delete, you know, delete, 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 yeah, delete, if they're no matter how good the picture is. Right. If they're vertical with their fins in the mud. You Don't you know that that's like bad etiquette and not a great sign? It's stuff like that. Right. So remember that when you're taking those pictures. Clean up the danglies. Uh, that's yeah, the, always my biggest this is thing. It's not yeah. 1980 anymore. Right. Clean up the oh, dangle. Sure. If they got snot in the inside of their mask, sometimes you get, you know, tell them clear the mask out. You got yeah, snot. Yeah, right. Yeah. You got to fix that. Yeah. So it's little things like that um, I think are important. And that's, again, when I kept doing more and more of that event photography stuff, that's when I started learning, like, you know, take a picture of a woman, you know, portrait. Again, yeah, she's, she's in a dress. A, if there's a wrinkle in the wrong spot, so I actually started bringing the. A yeah, she's person got a, that she's knows got a piece of her salad stuck in her teeth, right? <laughs> I can Photoshop it, but <laughs> ideally, you don't her, want to. Yeah, you're not right? going to let her keep that, yeah. right? You got to fix that background. That's exactly. The, you know, so that's the sign. And back then, you really had to do it, right? Your attention to detail, filled. right? You only had one one time. You can't like fake it. It's very difficult to really fake it and look make it look real. Your pictures don't turn out as planned. Solution being to analyze your results, then go back and try again. Even the practice professionals sometimes have to reshoot and get the results they want. And if conditions won't allow you to photograph as planned, don't be afraid to shoot for an alternate goal. Kind of like these guys had to, right? Yeah, change, if you uh, can't get what you originally wanted, if it's just not going to happen, do something else. Yeah. Uh, to me like I, I can see where this can be really frustrating and, and annoy people but at the same time i'm like that's kind of the fun of of diving and, yeah and photography is is a new challenge pops up you gotta work around it and fix it and yeah and and, and bummer i get to go diving at the same time right kind of a thing you know right and i mean the whole idea is to pull something noteworthy out of the dive right i guess i guess for me the my focus is always I'm diving. Yeah. And we're going to try to take some pictures along the way. Well, that's, and that's how it should be. So many people yeah. for many years where I'm going to take f- pictures. I have to go diving no to get what. the pictures. <laughs> yes. At all oh, costs. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that mindset can hurt you. Right? right. So always remember it's diving first. Yeah. I'm almost out of gas. Wait, I got a couple more, just a couple yes. more clicks. No, no, that, that's going to, that's going to, supersede the uh getting that last picture is right you can always come back yeah you can always come back and then uh, lastly uh they say that the depth of field may not cover both the near and the far subject your solution being to make a decision set the focus so the most important subject area either near or far will be sharp the viewer will tolerate one soft subject area right not, not two. two not two because then it looks like the whole the whole thing's out of focus, or the subject isn't in focus at all, which then it becomes not the subject. For example, that picture that we're talking about, there's a, it's at, from the, I'm looking down a bow of a boat towards the stern, a speedboat, and on it is that bass right in the front, and you're in the background with your light, so there's a little bit of lighting there, if I'm thinking of the same one. Um, the, th- the thing is that fish is in focus, not you, because... With the focal plane I was working with, I couldn't have done it. The, the aperture, I couldn't shut my, my aperture down to F22. The water's too dark. Right, right, right. It's just too dark down there. It was already, I think I had it as wide open. On that particular lens, is an F4, so it's not 
super large, but it's it's good size still. And um, yeah, he had to you know play with it a little bit. Yeah, very cool stuff. So okay, well, hey, that was a great dive. Let's wrap that. That up. was a great force perspective dive. It forced my. And I know all of diving. our photographer peeps out there that keep asking us for more photography will certainly appreciate that one. I'm hoping our photography talks actually get pique the interest of just divers that aren't into photography. They pique their interest and say, oh, I can take my diving and make it even more interesting by doing, you know, I always say do something under there. It's great to go swim around and look. It is. I love it. I I would do it, and I still do it. But I can see how people would get bored of that, especially in the same place over and over, right? Yeah, and then nothing changes or it seems that way. Making photography, Mm -hmm. boy, you can't get bored because now you got so much that you're trying to accomplish. Right. And if you think you've got it down, you don't. You never never will. You'll always be working on that. Exactly. And the the cool thing about having that camera and knowing that you want to get something is it can make even the most simple and mundane of dives. You can turn it into something worthwhile. Challenging. And and a challenge. Rewarding. And rewarding, yeah, Yeah. for sure. And, uh, And you can bring back something that... You can show other people, and they think it's. They're like, "That's from there, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, like that. That's a sign of you just yeah. got a, a great shot when you when, when uh, you're looking at pictures, and then uh, somebody goes, "Where was that at? Yeah, that was at the 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 local mud hole right. lake over there mm-hmm. that uh, that we go fishing yeah. at. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I love about it. So bringing back something that you know, is a wall hanger or, or something I can put on my my Flickr account that I can go and look at and, and think that's that's pretty gorgeous. That rivals Grand Cayman, you know, as far as interest and beauty. It's not colorful. It's not a spotted moray or whatever. Yeah, it's not an exotic fish. It's exactly. just a, yeah. But it, it has its, its own our, beauty. Yeah. It's our. It's ours, bitch. It's yeah. our fish. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. Well, hey, everybody. Hope you guys like that one. Thank you again to all the uh, Patreon sponsors and donators and everybody. Um, yeah. Thank you to everyone who's donated. On that note, um, let's sign these Except little books. for that $1 guy. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, appreciate the dollar, unless it was a smart-ass sarcasm. You know, then we're still going to take that $0.66 cents that we got. All right, let's sign these little books. All right. Uh, way to force perspective uf 22 yielding aperture your biorhythms <laughs> are giving me mixed signals but it was a fun dive okay peace out peace out dive safe That's so, a knife. That's all I know in Australia. Uh, I know one phrase in Australia. I can't even ask where the bathroom is. I just say, Nah, nah that's a knife. <laughs>